Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn, and we are back today to talk about Hulu's Castle Rock. We're on episode five, it just hit Hulu, and boy, are we excited to chat about it. First, we've got some news, but even before that, we're gonna introduce ourselves. Like I said, my name is Rockin' Randall. You know me from uh, other podcasts, such as Radioheads, which you've never heard, <laughs> and that's probably a good thing. Um, who, who is sitting across from me? Uh, this would be Michael Molly Strand Rothman, nice. editor-in-chief and uh, president of Consequence of Sound. And it's been an exciting week because we're just back from Lollapalooza, but I'm ready to go to Castle Rock. So um, I was ready to go to Castle Rock the moment I walked through the doors of Lollapalooza. Oh, really? Were you, when you, were you thinking about Castle Rock when you're uh, walking around the you know, Grand Park? Yeah, unfortunately for a Vampire Weekend set, because I was too busy thinking about Molly and Henry and all the gang. Oh, man. Mm. Who's sitting, sitting next there. to me? Googling photos of like, you know, Sissy Spacek and Andre Holland. So I bet like, you I miss him. I'll bet you if I was there, I would have been wishing that the kid would show up so we could have everybody kill themselves <laughs> in the crowd. Uh, we Except don't the actually con- condone that just to, so we don't get sued. Oh, yeah, that's true. Do you think the kid would have a fun time at Lollapalooza, though? I yeah. think he would have a downtrodden time, but I would have a blast <laughs> leading him around to various crowds and say, touch this person. Yeah, but oh, then, you know, Lord. I think, he, I think uh, yeah, he'd have a he'd have that kind of dead-eyed look on his face for most of the time. But, hey, man, you put him in front of Carly Rae Jepsen, I dare anyone not to smile. I'd be funny. You, you, you throw the kid in there. You throw him in the Phoenix Suns Wesley Person jersey <laughs> just to fit in with everybody else. <laughs> I, I think it would be really funny is if, like, like, you know, I imagine the kid would be having a downtrodden time, yeah. but it'd be very similar to Bill Hader's interpretation of Lindsey Buckingham, where finally, like, every know, once in a while, smile. start smiling and, and laughing a little bit. I like it. I like it. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm Juniper Hill, Justin Gerber. Oh, my God. Someone caught a reference. That's right, baby. And we are. <laughs> and speaking of babies, we're coming in hot. It's uh, Castle Rock After Dark. Crad, as I like to call it. Crad. 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 I like great, that. Great uh, initials there. Oh, is Chris, is Chris Hardware coming over later on? He's going to be talking rock? Please he's actually, God, no. he also got a pass for Consequence of Sound. He's also, he's allowed back. No! Oh my God, he's wow. Chris. He's getting a pass too? That's crazy. Um, no, no, well, no, we're no. back with Crad. Uh, we are adopting that now. <laughs> yeah. And But before we get to Crad, we got a little bit of news. Um, get some news. Let's break it down. All right, well... We have a few headlines. Yeah, yeah. You wrote one of them today. I did. Um, we'll start with that. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly casting news that we're talking about for various adaptations that are happening. So Netflix, if you're unaware, we've discussed it on the pod, but and we've also written about it, but uh, Netflix is doing their third King adaptation after 1922 in Gerald's Game. It's of In the Tall Grass, which is a novella that King wrote with his son, Joe Hill. And they, yes, and they released it as a Kindle single a few years ago. It's excellent. It's very spooky and very scary. It reminds me of like Night Shift King, Mm -hmm. and um, I dig it a lot. I'm excited they're making it, and it's directed by Vincenzo Natale, who you may know from Cube, 
and Hypercube. Wait, did he do Hypercube? Just Cube, I believe. Oh, okay. Just Cube. Well, he also did Splice, that cool uh, alien baby movie. Did not mind Splice. I, I think like... I saw that with uh, Mac. and No, maybe I didn't. Actually, I think I saw it with a couple other friends that Wasn't you Mad don't Mac? know. No. Uh, so, yeah. So, Vincenzo Natale, great director. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a neat pairing that we have here. And they just announced some casting today. The big one being Patrick Wilson, who is building up quite the genre resume these yeah, days. Yeah, he, he is. He was in... Uh, the first two Insidious movies, which I despise. He's in he's, Watchmen. He is in Watchmen. Yeah. And he was in the Conjuring movies. He plays uh, the lead. He plays an incredible cover of an Elvis Presley song oh, in yeah. Conjuring too. That's Wait, my favorite who's the, scene. Who's the couple again in the Conjuring movies? The yeah, Vera Farmiga. Yeah. yeah, but no, who are the, they're based on the real life hack ghost investigators who were absolutely, completely and totally fake. And, uh, you and think the, they're fake? Oh, they were they were, hun- they were proven fake. fake. No, they're not proven fake. Yes, they are. Look, if Hollywood says it's real, <laughs> it oh, is yeah. real. Okay, right. I just get so annoyed at that because like they're proven hacks, and like it's just the fact that the movie lionizes them in the, the way it does hey, makes me uh, so annoyed. Kind of like our president, am I right? Oh boy. All right. Well, uh, we're not going to go so, there, but, but let's just say it's that about Lorraine and Ed Warren. Yeah, Lorraine and Ed Warren. They're, they're heroes, fools. in my opinion. Total Amer- fools. American heroes. Uh, but so I will say though that um, Patrick Wilson, great actor. I do enjoy him. He also was in Fargo season two he Great. was the lead on that mm-hmm. very good in it big fan and then also two names that i didn't know one of them i believe was um uh like henderson garrison or something. henderson <laughs> garrison no, that's have, incredible oh my story. god well you looked that up i'll just say He's about gonna, patrick wilson patrick wilson to me is kind of like james mcavoy he's very hit or miss like he's either like he's great on fargo for yeah. instance but subdued on fire conjuring it's tough it was funny i always thought he was a british actor that is trying so. to do an american accent yeah he just no. has a really awkward American accent, which is uh, well. If you want to, if you want to see him, <laughs> if you want to see him in a really great film, go watch Zipper. Oh, I heard it's great. Oh, is that supposed to be good? No, no, it's oh, awful. Okay. Uh, uh, but, it's, but it's also. I just want to note that I didn't have the article up because I was. I just opened up my 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 search and I had been searching who sang the Scatman song, <laughs> so that's why I didn't have it ready. Scatman John. It was Scatman Scat John. John. And so, but yeah, Patrick Wilson is great. But then the other two big castings, uh, basically the two supporting characters, is Laisla de Oliveira. Um, she'll be playing a character named Becky. I don't, actually don't remember the name of the characters in the story. It's not really a character-driven story. It's more of just kind of a horror. Concept. Concept. It's like a grass-driven story. <laughs> hey, it's like the corn. Yeah, uh, the gonna, corn is corn-driven. I'm going to take some grass uh, and uh, watch this movie. Smoke some grass. Take some grass. And then, oh, here's the name. Harrison Gilbertson. Mm, don't great name. It. Two two last names. That's yeah. Awesome. Harrison Gilbertson was previously seen in Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is, I hear is pretty good. Maybe Harrison Gilbertson was uh, the child of two separate people that were having an affair. And instead of coming up with a name for them, they just combine their last names. That sounds like a very possible story that I think we'll reach out for comment. That well, sounds like a Showtime series. And um, Hey, the, the, do you have anything else in the Yeah, the, the movie is coming out sometime in 2019. Which is great, because yeah. 2019 is going to be stacked with King adaptations yeah. that I am psyched to see. Oh, and I went to Vincenzo Natale's Twitter, and he, on July 30th, posted a picture of the tall, tall grass. Oh and gosh. basically said day one. So they've just started filming. I'm going to say this is not going to be a fun shoot. Well, you're going to be it's stuck. It's all about condition. Unless they do the whole thing uh, on a beautiful, beautiful green screen, which I always love. Oh, well, they won't because close to the photo of the tall grass. Well, we'll see how much is outside. Well, we'll let's see. just say that there's probably going to be a lot of chiggers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I would also, say... Though, I don't know if we mentioned this, but 
James um, Marsden was originally, was originally yeah. cast, yeah. but I think because of that scheduling conflict, one of the best shows we have, Westworld. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. To, to get on. You know, when I go home, I just love to get a migraine. So I put on Westworld. Hey, this isn't Westcast. It's it's cool that West like Westworld uh, took uh, Ed Harris, too, because then that would have been a really cool uh, casting that they could have gotten for hey, Castle Scott Rock. Scott Glenn's doing great. I love Scott yeah, Glenn. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to him. I'm looking forward to talking about Glenn. Uh, yeah. What's interesting is that it seems like Netflix are pulling some pretty obscure King, which is great. You know, like Gerald's yes. Game was original. 1922 original this is an original one so yeah. like, i would say uh, netflix is uh, the house of king right now hey they're two for two so far yeah uh, in terms of king out of they're between between that and uh, warner brothers so yeah know, man and uh i'm, I'm an established direct well with the exception of 1922 obviously but an established director here not just yeah. some known name yeah, definitely. And uh, speaking of established directors, shall we talk about Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep? Yeah, I think there's a lot of development going on there. We have some news, definitely. Um, we have some casting news we'll start with, and then we'll pivot over to uh, Ewan McGregor's comments mm-hmm. on the adaptation. But yeah, let's talk about uh, some of the casting they got, which was interesting. It was Carl Lumbly Great. will be playing Dick Halloran. Uh, so guess what, baby? Dick's back. <laughs> <laughs> As I say every Friday. You know, the important <laughs> thing, Randall, is Carl Lumbly, of course, for all you alias heads out there, was an alias for years. He was also on the Fox series Mantis from the early 90s. It was a superhero show. If anybody remembers that show. How many seasons? Oh, one season. <laughs> but it was Mantis? touted. It was touted. He was Mantis. Yeah, he was like one of the first black superheroes oh, on, nice. on television. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and then also cast is uh, another character from the original. Wendy Torrance will be played by an actress named Alex Esso. She seems fairly new to the um, to the uh, film universe. She I think she's a- Sylvan Esso's sister. Uh, Sylvan Esso's sister. But uh, when I looked at her IMDb, she had like 10 movies in development, but hadn't really been in much of note uh, that I noticed. So I think she's a, a hot prospect, as they I, say. Sounds like it. Well, I think it's important to note that both of them look very similar to Scatman Crothers and also Shelley Duvall. And yeah. I think that that also plays into my theory that this is going to be a sequel to Stanley Cooper. I think we Shining. share that very same theory. And, um, and Mel is not here to defend herself. She's not but, here to defend um, herself. And hey, we got some more proof. You know why? Because one of mm-hmm. our uh, constant listeners sent us very... One of our constant listeners sent us a very cool uh, insider mm-hmm. <laughs> tidbit that he found. On Reddit. <laughs> yeah, on Reddit. This is really great. Uh, apparently, they were looking for an Adler Universal 39 typewriter. Now, if you know your typewriters. <laughs> Which I do. Which I do. Which I do. <laughs> uh, I use one every day when I'm posting to WordPress. That is the same one that's from The Shining. So mm. the one used in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, not in Mick Yaris's, and not in Stephen King's book. So... All I'm saying is, uh, Mel, you're going to buy that ticket for me going to Dr. Sleep. So wait, let's take a moment. You're saying that this is a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's Shining. Yes. But yes. Dick Holleran dies in Stanley Kubrick's Shining. Flashback. This is a ghost apparition. Well, no, but isn't Dick Halloran's in the beginning of Dr. Sleep? I, I, Him and Wendy I know, are both but I, I can't imagine. I, I'm still sticking with this is an absolute sequel to the Shining, yeah. is, there, is there one chance to bank off of the Shining? I think it's going to be both. It? I think it's going to be a little bit of both because I, I definitely think that Dick Halloran will not be dead in Doctor Sleep. Hmm. I'm not well, going to young. They look young. I guess you're right. No, That's Carl Lumbly, if he was in Mantis in 1992 or whatever, then he's got to be an old man by now. He's older. He's probably Scatman Crothers' so age C- by now. Scatman Crothers in The Shining. So you know, they're probably. Well, oh, oh, and I forgot to mention, like. 
you guys, you probably don't remember. You've read Doctor Sleep. Yes, I have. Well, then uh, the beginning of the book does start with Danny as a boy. It's like right after the the book. So yeah, that's why Wendy will be around. So mm-hmm. Wendy will be around, and so will Dick Halloran because he didn't die. Well, in the book, he doesn't. It's a sequel die. to the book, and maybe it's not going to be a sequel to the no, book. No, I, I am convinced it'll be a cool flashback. That yes, or it'll be like a ghost that appears yes. and as a shining image or something if like that. If this is a flashback, I know what'll really get under your skin. If this is, if this, if, if you're wrong about this, and that this and Dick Halloran, because we're going to break this down to this, Dick Halloran, if he is dead in Doctor Sleep, in Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep, then you win. If he's not. Me and Mel win. No, and what that you, doesn't. That, no, because that doesn't make any sense. Because it still is going to be using the imagery from the the sequel. Of, you but know. you're no. I'm saying that this is a definitive thing that separates the book and the movie. Yes, but if it literally uses the same hotel and the same interiors in the movie, then it's a direct sequel to the movie. Then yeah. fine, we're going to make it just make it simple. Then no, no, no. We can't go back now. No, 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 backsies. no, 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 backsies. no, no. This will be called a follow up to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. We'll see, but well, I'm just going to make it simpler. If Dick Halloran <laughs> is alive in Doctor Sleep, I win. You don't if, win anything. If hold on, if he is dead, then you win. And here's the stakes: whoever loses has to, or well, whoever wins gets to tell whoever loses uh, the next movie that they have to give a preemptive five nose or two. Okay, and you have well, to stand by it. And Randall already claimed Aquaman, so, so I've already, I've, I know that was a mistake on my part. I regret that now. No, but why, I, why should you? It looks well, great. no, because you got to stand. I got, I'm going to stand by my five. It looks noser. amazing. It's going to be the film of November. Well, I'm going. I can't wait to give you a five noser that is going to make you scream because I know how you are with ratings. I am. But what will happen? You're going to have to give a five noser to your boy uh, Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. <laughs> what will happen when we listen? When we no doubt. C, the hotel is standing and fine and yeah. was not blown up. What exactly. Then? Oh, that's another one. We're absolutely seeing this hotel. Interesting. Well, I'm that's, making it. This looks is like there's dick, some catch 22s here. It's yeah. a dick hollering bet. That's what no. we're doing. What if, what if, the, what no, if they no just dicks. fuck it all up? It's a pretzel bullshit sequel where the, the hotel didn't explode. But then Jack Torrance also still did appear at his graduation like in the TV version. <laughs> And kissing, then also, kissing. That's what I've been missing. And well, let me just say. Th- there are hedge animals. Let <laughs> me just say that, that that may be true. And that actually ties into our next bit of news. Justo, do you want to take this one? Sure, Will Randall. Our good friend Hugh McGregor appeared on Late Night. That's a lie. Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Don't want to get anybody sued. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about Dr. Sleep. And by the way, uh, Colbert might be a little bit of a kinghead. Oh, yeah? Because he's, King's been on the show. He seemed a little knowledgeable about, about Stephen King's bibliography. He was asked about it, and he said, well, if you've read the book, we are very faithful to the book. Well, that makes total sense, because uh, when I interviewed Mike Flanagan, he said with Gerald's Game, like, his whole goal was to tell King's story. He didn't want to fuck with it. He sees that, I think he sees adaptation as really honoring what the author intended. Obviously, not everything is going to be able to be transferable to the screen, but I think from what I got from him, and he's adapting um, the uh, what's the Haunting of Hell House mm-hmm. for Netflix, yeah. that's probably also going to be very faithful to the book. I will say that you can, that book, Doctor Sleep the Book, no spoilers, you could read it as a sequel to the movie The Shining if you really wanted to. There's only one major difference, yeah. and that's the appearance of Dick Holleran at the beginning of the book. Yeah, I agree. But other than that, it's all very much what happens in the in the movie, in the book, and then the rest of it's brand new story. Well, we know that King is a huge fan, so that's probably what his intention was. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just <laughs> you know, say that... Stop talking about the movie. I, 
Look, I didn't love Gerald's Game when I first read it. It's been a long time. Maybe I'll like it more when I watch it. Mm-hmm. Love the movie. Um, so, maybe, hey, I mean, maybe Flanagan can work some magic and make uh, Rose the Hat truly uh, scary. Hey. Listen, there have been instances of, of King adaptations being better than the source material. For instance, I think sometimes they come back as better than the short story. Ultimately, I think Carrie the movie is better than the book. And I, I think, think The Gerald's Shining Game movie is better than the book. I do think so, The Shining is better. And I think Gerald's Game is better than the book. Well, there you go. And then I'll also, there was the another too. casting bit as well. It was the guy who plays... Um, oh yes, the Native American on. Oh, great actor from yeah. Fargo. Season Amazing. Two. We got some a lot of Fargo actors that are coming. Yeah, into I think he must Dominion. be a fan. Um, I'm trying to find his name. Sorry. Yeah, he's, I got it right here. Okay. Guess what? His name is Zon McLaren. Yes, he is awesome, and yep. he's been acting for like 30 years. Yeah, and, and he and looks great. And he's going to be all our daddies <laughs> because he's Crow Daddy. Yeah, and I think he's perfect casting for that. I think he and yeah, I I love that he got his own episode of Westworld. It was probably the best episode of the second season. It just told his story. It was not full of bullshit. It was just a very simple, straightforward story. Maybe it's just that robot wandering into the trailer park where Rose the Hat is. Or something. <laughs> well, but looks- then also he's in Fargo, who probably my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the second season of Fargo is his well, character. It's funny because uh, you mentioned that uh, there were going to be a lot of chiggers in uh, in the tall grass. Yeah. And he played uh, a very Anton Chigger style performance for Fargo. It's true. So it looks like there's a link there. Scary no link dude. whatsoever. Just a <laughs> no, weird I, 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 I'm with you on that. But no, I, I'm a big fan of that actor. I think it's very exciting that he got cast. I think so far we have a pretty amazing cast, which is going to be really helpful. We got Ewan, we got Rebecca Ferguson, and we got uh, Zane, or Zahn. Who else would you like to be added to this? Um, I'd like uh, you know Max like von see- Sida- I'd like Max you von know what? You know what makes oh, sense? That'd be cool. Is the girl from Ouija Origin of Evil, it would make sense if she was the girl in Doctor Sleep. Mm. She would fit that, that character very well. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The main girl, I guess, the, who has the uh, Shining as well. She might be too old by now. You think so? I don't know. We'll never know. Anyways, well, <laughs> I, I wanted to just say, though, Max von Sydow, um reprising his role as Leland Gaunt. Oh, for Doctor Sleep? Yeah. Oh, that'd be oh, cool. He just pops up. I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil any of those books. Well, we do know it's about a traveling crew of carnies. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's with he's them selling wares. Maybe he's, he's driving the, the trailer bar. The, he the could be. Tackling yeah, maniacs. With his little hat and his raincoat on. We're, uh, we're going to keep going into one other movie that's coming out that's involving King. Literally. It's a documentary about King. Oh, I didn't yeah. even hear about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. It's called uh, <laughs> The Shocking Life and Work of Stephen King. And it's going to be made by Elephant House Studios from London, England. And classic, uh, classic. they interviewed uh, Glenn Chadbourne. Uh, they interviewed uh, Nancy Allen, who played uh, Chris Hargison. Mm-hmm. Carrie. Uh, Carrie. Who was Nancy Allen married to? She was married to Brian De Palma. Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that must have been uh, fun, the two of them making movies together. That was like a March-December romance. Yeah. What if those are the only people they interviewed? I know. And it's just like, well, uh, you Does know, he never promising? came to set. Well, uh, she's also going to talk about Robocops 1 through 3. So I hope so. forward to it. Especially that third one. The film is scheduled to air around Halloween on Channel 5 in the UK. Okay. But then you can get it worldwide. At, yeah. Uh, on DVD. Do you, are you excited? I want to see some more documentaries on Stephen King. Some more? Are there any that exist? I'm sure there's some PBS stuff that they have. It's like, he scared hey. you. He's now <laughs> in your house. We should start a public service thing here. Ken Burns. Let's go. Oh, Stephen yeah. King. Ten yeah. parts. Hour and a half each. <laughs> hey, then go. we'll be out of business. But, uh, no, because people will still come back for that fresh content. They, yeah, they need that fresh content. Because he'll ten, Ken Burns will do a 10-part documentary on Stephen King, and we'll do a 30-part documentary on, on Ken, Ken Burns', Burns doc- Stephen King documentary. <laughs> Any more news, Mike? 
Uh, I think that's it for now. I think that's it. We got some. I think we uh, we covered some good ground there. But I think it's time to hit the pavement of Castle Rock. Hello. Wait. What? How soon? Ruthie, let me take you back to bed. Something terrible's gonna happen. Nobody in town knows you're out. Let's keep it that way. There is something wrong with that kid. Are you the devil? Mom! Greetings from Castle Rock. Greetings from Castle Rock. That's our first segment. So let's talk about episode five, which was called Harvest. And let's just, before we talk about the characters, let's break down the big things that happened. So obviously we were coming off the shooting spree that Mm -hmm. capped off episode four, which I wasn't on last week's episode. And I got to say, I was uh, pretty surprised. Yeah, it's a very surprising scene. A shocking, wonderful moment that I felt like, I don't know, I, I, I felt like I'm... I struggled with it at first, but then the more I thought about it, the more that it really worked for me. As somebody, and we all were able to get those four episodes before the pilot even premiered, and I think that that was the perfect example of the slow burn really paying off. And if you just stick with the show and you trust the show and you like the characters and you get attached just enough, the payment will come. And unfortunately, it comes in the form of dead cops. Yeah, dead security. dead cops. It was interesting. Like, I liked... um, I liked... I like that actor. Noah Fisher. And that character. I love Noah Fisher. Terrific performance, which made it that much more impactful. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was just, I mean, it, this is last episode. We'll move on. But I just thought it was, you know, really, I, I loved how much the the violence in Shawshank was so grotesque, you mm-hmm. know, that they they didn't show it all to us at first, that this idea of how corrupt it is and how there's something almost rotten within the prison is really terrifying. And just the idea that they were just punishing and beating all these prisoners. And like, that was the thing was there was almost something kind of badass about him going yeah. around and shooting everybody, yeah. but also bad. Yeah. So very bad. of course, so, but that happens and the other, so we're coming off that. And I think the really big thing that happened this episode is that the kid was released from prison. He's out. He's out. You know why? Because, uh, Ann Cusack, that uh, that, the, the, that, the that warden Porter, the <laughs> eldest Cusack sibling, she is related to John and, she and Joan. Uh, John, who's a a king associate head. from uh, many king films, Stand by Me, Stand by fourteen oh eight, and Sell. the best one, Cell. <laughs> I forgot. Reteaming that. with Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, great reteam. So, but she's like, nah, nah. I'm, she, he's not my problem anymore. Yeah, get him out of here. Yeah. So he gets out. Henry doesn't really know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. So Henry. Uh, Molly helps him out. Yeah. Molly Strand, she puts him up in sort of an empty uh, building. Yeah, wonder, she, for her office building, basically. Yeah, and I think sort of one of the crazy moments is when she comes back to look for him, he's gone because Jackie Torrance is okay. hanging out with him. Oh, yeah, they're just uh, talking about the past, which we get some little King's Dominion there. Can you blame her, though? Like, oh, he's can't. a hunk. He, he is a hunk, and he also... Uh, you almost think that there's going to be Bone Zone action there yeah. for a little bit. We'll get into that in a little bit. We'll but, talk hey, about you know it. What? Let's... Was maybe episode ten? <laughs> maybe both. Both the next words are, "Will you marry me?" <laughs> <laughs> they just pivot so hard. No, um, I, that was interesting. So then, but then he ends up on top of a building, and he's hearing voices. A lot of things that are connected to the King Universe. We'll talk more about that. And it turns out that he feels like he shouldn't have left. Yeah. Like he is worried about that. But where we end with that character is he's staying with Henry again, and Alan Pangborn. 
who in this episode was had a bridge dedicated yeah. to him for which, his service, which he's not very excited about. No. Very self-loathing man. Mm-hmm. We He ends up, the security cameras that were installed, he sees uh, the kid inside yeah. the shed, goes out to meet him, and then we find out the kind of how long ago Dale Lacey uh, had the kid and yeah. had him up, which was like at least 30 years. It's 27 years. 27 years. Something which is uh, very familiar. One thing you that is very noticeable in this is that um, Castle Rock is falling apart. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to go over some of the, the crazy things that are happening in Castle Rock, Justin? Well, first of all, there's something that is alluded to a couple times in the episodes, mm-hmm. but it hasn't really been focused on too much. There's a wildfire coming to Castle oh, yeah. Rock, and yeah. I think that could hit the next couple episodes. Obviously, the kid is, is, is causing some problems. We'll go into oh, that yeah. more with the kid character later on. I wanted to say something, though, about the whole structure of the episode. This is the first time you've really laid into multiple flashbacks yeah. from multiple characters. Yeah. you got Henry's some flashbacks in this. Um, you've got a Pangborn flashback. You've got a... Uh, yeah, I think you got a Molly flashback. I think yeah. there was there's a, a Molly. Few, there's a few flashbacks in this mm-hmm. episode. Keep an eye out for that. Um, what else is happening in this crazy town, though? Well, there's a lot of weird stuff that's going on. I mean, we find out that they're using inmates to uh, extinguish some of the fires that are up there also, which no. is going to be probably a problem at some point. I mean, they kind I of... I like how the, the people, the higher-ups called <laughs> the warden to say, get rid of this kid. We want yeah. good PR. Oh, by the way. And then they, she's like, okay, we'll do that. And now let me go ahead and send inmates out yeah. to the fire. Into the fire. <laughs> like, that's not going to go wrong somehow. Also, the dogs seem to be having some problems because mm-hmm. now they're reacting to, like, maybe whatever presence is back into uh, mm-hmm. in the air. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, a bridge jumper. Yep. You know, we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit. And what's up with Sissy? Ruth Deaver? Ruth the, Deaver. The bridge jumper herself. The bridge jumper herself. Yeah. yeah she's and, yeah, she's so experiencing she up, demons. Yeah. She, and then she ends up in the hospital and we get some really cryptic stuff from her. We'll talk more about later. We also get some cryptic stuff from Alan Pangborn. Well, yeah. And, in that hospital sequence. Yes. And along with that, we find out that he wanted to marry Ruth, but mm-hmm. she... Um, didn't, it didn't happen. There's a lot of information in this episode, but the gist of, of it is, here, yeah. is that the past sins yeah. are coming back. Which is such a king thing. Such a king thing. Evil never rests. Never uh, rests. So let, should we pivot into talking about characters? I would rather talk about some heroes and villains. That You know that's what I mean. <laughs> Well, if we're going to be talking about heroes and villains, we're going to be starting with uh, my favorite hero. And he's named after my favorite candy bar. Oh, Henry! Henry Deaver. Love oh, Henry, Henry Deaver. Deaver. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Andre Holland is such a joy to watch in this show. He's great. He's so expressive. I'm just going to say this every fucking episode all summer. I, I, I said it last week. I said it the week before. There is so much you can glean just from his mannerisms and his the way he reacts to things. I just I can't get enough of it. I, I I love following his character, and it's he's doing stuff that you can't even get from Stephen King novels. Yeah, that you just that he just adds so much to it, and he did it in Moonlight in the very short scene that he had at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. Yeah, same. Um, and he does this thing with his eyes and the way he kind of smiles. It's this sly smile that comes on that is just like it's it's like seeing a lantern in like the forest or something like that. Yeah. It's just like, whoa. Okay. Well, I think what I love so much about this performance is just exactly what I loved about that Moonlight performance is mm-hmm. the restraint he yes. has. Because in a genre show, oftentimes 
your characters will get really histrionic or over emotive when things are going on. He has had some incredible restraint on the show despite everything going on around him, but you still get the sense of fear and panic without Mm -hmm. having to go, you know, hand wringing and like, you know, hands rubbing through his hair. Yeah. He's been a great anchor for the show so far. So we get some flashbacks with him. Um, um, flashbacks not, not that far for for one of them the opening one 2016 right. yeah that was a great year for everyone why do we think that was notable i i'm not sure why 2016 yeah i was like very i was like noodling over that well i i think it's also because maybe it's when he starts realizing that uh he's getting some that that ringing in yeah his the ear. ringing in his ear and you know there's obviously the parallels between what we see happen with the kid uh the tests that he's given same tests uh, same tests uh, it was actually really confusing if you if you don't um, actually really follow along with what's going on sometimes because it's yeah. like that you think that maybe he's still because the the op, the doctor's offices in Texas and then also in Castle Rock are this very like chilly postmodern sort of room they're very similar it's a Hulu budget they, they threw a couple <laughs> curtains on yeah. and said hey we're in Maine <laughs> oh my gosh but you get this sense in that flashback that he really fucking hates this town yeah and, I mean yeah. we've gotten that in the past few episodes but. You know, the, the nurse in Texas is just like, I guess everyone. Yeah, I love that. Worst. I wrote that line down. I guess everyone thinks they're from the worst town ever, which I think yeah. is. And then his reaction was so funny. And the, it's like, I'm literally from a cursed town. <laughs> I think a shout out goes to Mac, who pointed out that, that that ringing that Henry hears at the end of the fourth episode resembled the same noise that was heard on the lake earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so that did have a significance. I think that was Mac that pointed that out. It was Mac. And it, obviously he was right because now he's experiencing the same ringing now. But Mac pointed that out because he's a huge Dark Tower head. Ah, yeah, that's true. And there could be some sort of uh, allusions uh, to that series in this. Fun. The, the five words that Henry has to go over. Yeah. They're, they're very linked to a lot of King stuff, if you really think about it. Boat? What do we think about with Boat? Well, of um, course, the rat. famous... Um, we always talk about how like that's the one Stephen King genre he hasn't hit is the sea. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I guess I but, think I think about the oh, rap. Bag, I think about bag of bones. I think about, about bag of bones, and I think about the monkey. I think about one thing. What? Dairy Maine, the boat, Georgie's boat. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm over oh, here. You guys are like broad. really going the deep cuts. I'm, like, I'm, Jesus I'm thinking about the fucking monkey. I'm like literally <laughs> staring at it I'm right thinking, now. I think about like the Patriot Games finale. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> like a, good a one. boat chase. Oh, anyway, sorry. Continue. I'm thinking of uh, Last Crusade, the the Bond scene. <laughs> Who's your glory is mine. Uh, Go ahead. My soul's prepared. How's yours? How's yours? Anyway, <laughs> okay. The second great. word. Uh, second word. Family. Ah. You know, there's a lot of families. There's a lot of (laughs) (laughs) this very show with the Deavers. Yeah, yeah. So then we also get church. Yeah, Uh, the cat, the the cat, like the cat, yeah, or the church from Silver Bullet, or the church from Salem's Lot. Mm. Uh, Dog, Cujo, Cujo. the Cooch. (laughs) (laughs) Did I said church from Salem's Lot? Is there even a church from Salem's? Yeah, the Jerusalem's Lot. Jerusalem's Lot, the short story. Dog, Cooch, which we know, Uh, and then um, I couldn't understand the last word. I thought I said white. Oh, oh well, the coming of the white, coming of the white. That's all I'll say, or mm-hmm. um, or Carrie White. Oh, yeah, Carrie White, who's also in this uh, series, or Fever. Ninety eight percent of people in Maine are white. That's true, and so in the show, yeah, he hears a buzzing, and uh, that it was two years ago. Yeah, um, but Henry's like really standoffish with yeah. the nurse. So yeah. it's like he wants answers, but they can't give it to him. Kind of like what uh, happened to me and my dermatologist today. But um, <laughs> well, I think more that about he, that later. I think that he is. I think the thing is he's terrified of remembering. I think he wants. To, he says he wants to remember, 
But I think he understands that the ringing probably is connected to what happened to him when he was mm-hmm. young. And I think there is also a part of him that does not want to remember. And I think that partly might be why he is so desperate to leave Castle Rock. I think he wants a scientific explanation as yeah. to what's happening. Yeah, a scientific you know? as opposed to... And when they can't give him answers, then he's Supernatural. You know, he's, yeah. he's terrified because it's it could be something, you know, un- yeah. unarticulated, you know? Yeah. And I'll say that the ringing keeps happening throughout the episode. The next time you hear it, is when he takes a visit to his father's casket. Yeah. What happened to his casket, though? This is really gross. And this, this is a true thing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. This Which, reminded me of Pet Cemetery when he goes into the science of that. His father, I guess, because he had been cased for so long and certain gases aren't able to be released because of the tightness. It's called exploding, exploding cas- casket, casket yeah. syndrome. So he exploded inside of his own casket. Although the father, once again, our good friend from Mad Men, he explained that it's very rare that somebody who's been buried this long. Yeah. It's, it's very rare that this would happen to somebody. So something might be afoot there. <laughs> yeah, that blood. And, all, again, was so and then again, the ringing starts happening mm-hmm. again. So uh, that ringing, keep an ear out. Keep an ear out. Keep an ear out for that. <laughs> Those aren't his only problems, though. No. This is just not a good episode for Henry. <laughs> I don't think any <laughs> None of these episodes are not really. No, no. Although he did get to go to the Bone Zone in the previous episode. Yes, that was he nice. did. You know, he got the kid out. Yeah. The kid gets out. Um, and, uh, his pal, Molly Strand, as we mentioned before, helps him out. Yeah. Let's, uh, the kids stay there yep. in, in her, in her office. And we'll go into the kid in a little bit, but, uh, God, what a weight off of Henry's shoulders. Or so we thought. Mm, I'm intrigued by, I love him and Molly's relationship. There's something sort of, I mean, I don't know, like, obviously they're both kind of standoffish about it, but there is something sort of simple and oh, yeah. sweet about it. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of allusions where I think he mentions, he refers to her as a friend, but he kind of pauses for a second. Yeah. And then she looks at him like, well, maybe. And I kind of like that. I maybe like, BZ later. <laughs> I like that it's, I just like that it's kind of, un, like, it's ambiguous and mm-hmm. kind of um, uh, just kept simple for now. Like, I think that they're not trying to take it anywhere else and no. i don't know there's something very relatable about that and very simple i'm glad they're not making it like a big love story that's going to dominate oh, the no. episodes God. i like that it's a sort of texture that they're adding to it yeah. you know what i mean or it's not yeah. like or it's not like you know um ben mears and susan in salem's lot i was just thinking of that. she like worships yeah. him imme- they're, they're madly in love immediately yeah. you know it's like oh my god you're an author uh <laughs> and look he doesn't have time for love because he has got to go to radio shack and buy these little things for his doors yeah, and the, the cameras and to keep an eye on his mother, he buys mm-hmm. a security system and he gives some cool access codes to his <laughs> cool, not access, quite father cool access to be. <laughs> These are FBI access <laughs> codes. <laughs> That's my Sidney Poitier imitation from the Jackal. Um, Can you do a Sidney Poitier impersonation from Sneakers? Uh, what does he say in sneakers? Give me some dialogue. I don't really know. These but sneakers funny. don't fit. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's a line from it. And, the da- and then David Strathairn's like, I can't see. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd's so, like, what am I doing in this movie? <laughs> I can't believe it. Ripper Phoenix is like, I'm still alive. <laughs> so anyway, so Henry puts in a security system to keep an eye on his mother because in this episode, especially Ruth's uh, dementia is really coming to the forefront. Oh, yeah. And, and, and there's some major signs of it that, that keep recurring. Uh, should we pivot to talk about Ruth? Well, one more thing. About the, the, there's a couple more things with Henry. Oh, though. okay. And the th- thing that is absolutely just setting up future episodes, he finds out that his son will be visiting Castle Rock very soon. Oh, yes. Episode. I forgot about so, that part. Interesting stuff there, too. Yeah, I thought it was really kind of funny when uh, he's talking to Molly and he makes up the banger strangler. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that's not real. He's yeah. like, I know. Yeah. It's like a nice little humor. Um, the, 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 we'll wait. For room for our kings, our room two thirty seven. Yeah, because I might have some information there about that. Interesting, uh-huh. interesting. Some fun, some fun bits. So uh, 
let's talk about Ruth a little bit. So, Ruth, why do we think she went to the bridge? Well, she says it was the dog barking, and the comment is something about... She says nothing stays, nothing stays dead, dead in this town, which yeah. is pretty much the theme of this episode. So does no. that mean that Cujo was the one barking? I think Cujo <laughs> is there. Cujo's spirit. What, what does that mean? Does it mean that does it mean something, or is it just that she's losing it? That's the thing I I kind of like about this ambiguity is is she just saying things, or is it actually having to tie into? I think what's it's happening? a double meaning. Yeah, I think there is a lot to be gleaned from, and I think that you're supposed to say the past won't die in this town. That mm-hmm. whatever evil lies in this town or has cursed this town cannot be put away. Yeah, uh, I also think it means that. She's suffering from dementia and is probably seeing a lot of things over and over again. Well, the and first time we meet her in the episode is when Alan comes over and she's lost in the memory. I think she's lost in the memory of, of Henry being lost. Yeah. Huh, funny enough. And <laughs> Alan comes up behind her and she's startled and she says something terrible is going to happen. Yeah. Now, once again, is she just thinking that is she thinking in the past? Is she referring to Henry in the past or is she mean now something awful is going to happen? Yeah. Well, she also had that tarot, like that quote that like sent chills down my spine, which was when she's talking to Henry in the hospital. Oh, yeah. And she says, you know how it feels, don't you, to forget your own story. Right. And that was amazing. And and I just, you know, and Henry's been trying to get the information out of her about what happened and everything, and she won't give it to him. But it just, it feels like she's holding something back. Now, there's all this like lost memory and lots of questions uh, to the narrative I don't think this is very Stephen King. I think this is more bad robot. And I think, and I, and I'm fine with that because this has to have its own spin and everything. Yeah. But I was thinking about this, this, this whole idea of these kind of puzzle pieces going on here. It seems very like Abrams esque Mm -hmm. more, more so than King. And I, and I, you know, obviously it's not his show. It's Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason's, but that feels like that's the, the probably the most original aspect that they're kind of welding into this narrative for the most part i'm not sure because the sam shaw and dustin thompson is that right mm-hmm. I, I, yeah I the showrunners forgetting his name they also sure ran a show called i believe it was called manhattan and yeah it was about the we manhattan did. project mm-hmm. i'm not sure how that show is structured i should ask my dad my dad loved it and kept saying you've got to watch the show <laughs> i'm not kidding and i just never did and it got and it got canceled and you find out that, it was that he was actually talking about uh, the woody allen movie <laughs> he's like Mariel Hemingway's great he's great oh my um, gosh I hope that there's another season <laughs> but no I see where you're coming from with that Mike because there's not a lot of there's a, there's a mystery here that you don't find in other Stephen King books yeah a certain type of mystery so I, I don't know it's, it's, it's very interesting how they keep playing around with the concept of time in this mm-hmm. you know and, and it, it feels I don't know I, I like it because it's it keeps you I feel like that's the thing that's going to keep pulling you for more yeah you know and and everyone I've seen so much criticism about this show about like the idea that it's so you know indebted to King and has to you have to know the King references I don't think so no. at all no, I think honestly no. the driving point of this show is trying to connect the dots like you, I feel like a detective watching this show sometimes where I'm just like what's going on with that character and how does it apply to this character and I, I mean I feel like Alan Pangborn the thing is also there are so many people who, who, when you say Cujo, know exactly who you're talking about, mm-hmm. and they have never seen the movie, yeah. and they have never read the book. If you mention Christine the Killer Car, they know you're talking about Stephen King. Stand By Me is a very, very famous movie. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're hinging their bets on references to From a Buick 8. Yeah. And if they do, they're just little Easter eggs that do not figure into the plot at all. No? So that's my 
argument against their argument. Oh, I'm with yeah. you on that. Um, I think it's I think it's just kind of an easy argument to make for somebody yeah. who maybe didn't like the first couple episodes, which I think it's getting better as it goes along. Yeah. Do you do we think it's rude that uh, Ruth jumps off of uh, Allen's Bridge during <laughs> the rude. memorial? Very rude. rude. Consider it. Um, do you think they should break up? <laughs> no. Will I, they or won't they? <laughs> Will they or won't they? Um, any other thoughts on Ruth? I would say my theory about her being Carrie White is stronger than ever. Oh. There are a lot of a lot of uh, things here that make me uh, believe that she's having memories of uh, being crushed by a house, but not ex- not exactly dying. God damn it, Mike! Right. And, I, and I'm predicting that Amy Irving is going to pop up in a future episode. They well, it's also that Amy comic Irving. she makes early on when she goes, "It's raining stones." <laughs> That's a Carrie book reference. Okay. Um, should we move on to the old? We got two options. I, I'm, I posit Which this. roads do you want to go? You want to go down the, the path of the Pangborn? Mm. <laughs> or the path of the kid? The path of Skarsgård. Uh, um, I got to go with... I, I think we should go with... Um, the kid's hmm. the dominating character in the I episode. I feel like we kind of have to go with uh, Pangborn maybe then? Yeah. Or, and then yeah. we can save the kid. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Pangborn. There was a... I thought... I, what I thought was really striking, and this is a kid line, but it was directed to Pangborn. It was what ended the episode. And I guess it just made me because Pangborn started to feel to me like a character who knows everything that's happening, but is kind of hiding it. That was Mm -hmm. how I was feeling in early episodes. And it was kind of annoying me a little bit. What I loved was when the kid said, you have no idea what's happening to you. And that and then also just the fact that we learned that he didn't really like I guess I was under the impression that him and Lacey were sort of in it together in the sense that he knew a lot more than he was letting on because he said, like, don't. When he talked to the prison warden and was like, don't let that kid out of the box or whatever like that, I guess, like I loved in this episode where we saw the flashback to where he pulled over Lacey, found the kid in the trunk and Lacey convinced him to let him go. And the way that that wasn't some plan that they had. And honestly, he wonders as to whether or not he made the right decision. Because it's haunted them ever since. Yeah, it's haunted until, him. until probably he sees him in the flesh and sees that he has not aged and is now thinking, what the, what the hell is going Which is on? something that we mentioned in previous episodes. Remember, that was something that uh, I, had, I had said, like, that's going to be probably the indicator for both Lacey and Pangborn is the fact that this kid is not aging. And that's yeah. where they know something odd is happening. Um, one thing that Pangborn also mentions in that very scene answers one of the questions, I believe, what we had been wondering, yeah. right? Which, which is, is he mentions his dead wife. He does. Yes. So that would that be Polly then? No, I think no. that would be his first wife because... Yeah, from Needful Things. Needful Things. Well, she, you actually only see her in dark half i think but she's dead at the beginning of needful things she died in a car accident okay and so um so we still have no idea what happened to polly yeah i don't know what happened to polly and i'm in, i'm hoping that we i like when he first said that i was like oh she yeah. died and then i paused and i'm like oh wait no he's probably talking he's about probably his first talking, wife. Yeah, i'm yeah. pretty sure he is so yeah I, so we get a lot from pangborn here that uh we know that he loves whiskey that's good. Um, <laughs> well, he loves Ruth too. He loves Ruth. He does. Nice yeah. scene. And he pined for her. Apparently, yeah. We got like, a little. We got a little notebook uh, situation going on here. He says that he waited thirty years to finally get the woman he loves, and then she's slipping yeah. through his fingers. And he's talking about. He's talking about Ruth. Well, then it's like, what happened to Polly? Because he was pining for Polly. In well, I think things. that I think she was off the market for a while. It sounds like it, but Polly was on the market. Ah, well, it looks like Polly wasn't the love that. Um, that I guess I thought she was. I thought they were meant to be I'm together. I'm so hesitant to say too much because I don't want to spoil too much of evil things. Yeah. So, I will, yeah, um, we'll, 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 we'll move on. But we'll just but say. I thought that was interesting. What else did we learn about Alan Pangborn this episode? Well, we learn 
there's a couple things I want to say for King's Dominion, but he gets a bridge dedicated to him. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. got a nice little monument. He's got a little uh, etching on the He's respected by the people, but he doesn't really welcome that sort of adoration. No, he doesn't care. No. He just wants to make sure. I actually really thought that his speech... You know, for something that is so frivolous and nobody was even there, it yeah. was just so sad, which makes sense because it was also wildfires, which is why everyone's wearing masks and all. But <laughs> I like the imagery, by the way. It, it was really, really creepy, creepy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we also see uh, a glance of um, two characters that are going to play a very important role. Yeah, I would imagine. I saw, I saw Rory Culkin. Rory Culkin. Oh, you did. I didn't see him. I wanted to point that out. It was very him. just one brief shot. I only knew because Mike mentioned he spoiled it for me that a Culkin was in the series mm-hmm. and ah. said that it was Rory and um, love Rory. Yeah, and he villain from Screen Four. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. And well, uh, so he, but yeah, there was just basically a quick shot of him and somebody else. Yeah, and, and they're watching Pangborn's speech. They were watching Pangborn's speech. Is the other person Richard Schiff? I don't think so. Richard Schiff is also in the credits, but I did not see him in the episode. Richard Schiff was on the West Wing. He's been in a million things. He's most famous for being, uh, I think, Toby on the West Wing. No, I think that's the voice that's on the phone. I think, actually, no, I was wondering about that. I think that's the voice that speaks to the warden in the beginning of the, the show. Because that oh, voice is very recognizable. Yeah. And I didn't I, know who it was either. I, oh, yes. I'm that voice was recognizable. sure it's Richard Schiff. Well, I, I hope that he shows up because he's a great actor and I would like to see him go toe-to-toe and give give a little more weight to the, to the I warden. I kept thinking that I should have known who that was. Yeah. Like, well, the, the voice is so familiar and yeah. I just kept, I was like, wow, God. Now that you say it, now that I'm hearing how he was acting, I can absolutely see Richard Schiff saying that. So his, his greatest line is in Lost World and he's like, why did Hannah send two teams? <laughs> He's terrific. In didn't the last do one. another t- uh, take. I don't know why, but uh, anyway. Um, but I want to say who the mayor is. Yeah. Oh, I know who the mayor is too. Yeah. James Lagrosse. Love him. Oh, yes. I got excited. James Lagrosse. What a weird career. I know. And He's been a lot of things over the last couple of years. Cameron Crowe singles. Yeah. I love that he sort of embraced being a dirt. Like, he's such yeah. a dirtbag now that he's older. Mm-hmm. I just saw this great movie called. Um, Oh, God, it's something the girls support the girls. It's mm. Andrew Bajalski's new movie. I saw it at South oh, by yeah. and he plays the strip club owner and he is so gross in it. Yeah. Like he's so they make him look so dirty. And I always knew him as like a stone cold hunk. He's well, also a, a gross bartender and uh, he's a recurring character on Justified too. Oh, Just really? a perfect. I need to watch a show. Oh, Should I watch Justified tremendous. first or Deadwood first? Deadwood first because it's only 30 episodes and mm. there's a sequel coming out next yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. But then Justified is, is way up. That's there done me. though, right? That's done. That's been done. But anyways, I love that James LaGrosse is the mayor, and I love that that dude pops up in the weirdest shit. I'm always excited to see him. But I also love that Pangborn does actually kind of care about his speech. Yeah. And that when when he's sitting there trying to talk about, like, the hope that he had for the town, and then you see this town falling apart... There's some sort of tragic element to him. And then he has to, then it literally stops because Ruth jumps off the bridge. But mm. there was such a sort of humility to Glenn's performance right there at that one scene. And I just, it just really, I don't know, really felt for it. Yeah. Like he could have played it like, I'm pissed off about mm-hmm. this. And I know you don't get I don't shit. like to do speeches. Yeah. But yeah. He, he really sold it and did a good job. And I think more so his, he's, I think he's proud of the work he did. But I think he feels as if he's like spitting against a tidal wave, you know, yeah. like I think he understands that the town is is falling apart and he wants to leave, doesn't he? He wanted to leave yeah, for, he wanted forever. To leave. Yeah. yeah, but uh, Ruth didn't want to leave. No. So I'll I will um, kill myself if I don't also mention that James LaGrosse was in Point Break. He was in 
Bodie's gang, along with oh, Bo Jesse Christopher. Bo Jesse. Oh from my Sometimes God! Sometimes they come back again. I yeah. forgot Lagrosse was in the game. Yeah, man, he's a Roach. Roach. I need. I to wonder if Lagrosse is going to play a, a, a bigger role in this. Series. I hope so because I love Dirtass Laroach. Of course, Laroach. <laughs> he was. He was for you horror heads out there. He was a Michael Baldwin's replacement in Phantasm Two. He is. Yeah. yeah. Which Damn. we watched at a horror convention, Terrific a horror time. convention, a horror marathon. Five or six years ago, and Terrific we time. skipped Halloween too, and I still haven't seen it in theaters, unfortunately. You know who I always confuse um, Richard Schiff with? Bruno Kirby. Well, I can I can help you solve that <laughs> oh, problem. God, I, I know Bruno God. Kirby's dead, <laughs> but no, I just always I because I Google him, I go, I thought that was Bruno Kirby. Here's some trivia if you guys remember this: What did Alan Pangborn want to be when he was a kid? Well, that goes into some Kings Dominion territory. Hmm. Well, then we'll I'll save answer it. in Kings Dominion. We'll we'll yeah, we'll, we'll, save we'll do that then. Um, there uh, there seems to be. Oh, something really important going on with uh, the gift that he gave. Well, a chess Ruth. set does help people who have Alzheimer's or dementia mm-hmm. um, in terms of retaining your memory. It's like when you play certain games, mm-hmm. it helps you avoid that type of disease, possibly yeah. later on in life. I don't know if that flashback was supposed to mean something else. It's, I wonder. Uh, the, I, I, it's setting the um, it's setting the, the chess pieces and the importance of them. Okay. So keep your eyes on those chess pieces and not because you're playing chess. Other thoughts on Pangborn? Other than that, Scott Glenn is uh, great. And I love it. his delivery of uh, the of the fuck at the end. <laughs> he's like, I, we talked about this on a text thread earlier, but he steals every scene he was in on Daredevil. He was great on the leftovers. And now he's just doing A plus work here too. I'm really happy that people are still working with my good friend, Scott Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> One might say he's got the right stuff. Well, there's something that he says that's very, very important. That the I, I will say that um, well, somebody who's seen eight he, episodes. <laughs> just saying, this, are these all spoilers? These are not spoilers. spoilers. Like the chess set, are you spoiling something? I'm here? Not spoiling too much there, but oh, just saying, keep right. a watch on the, the chess pieces for Christ's sake. Uh, just, I'm actually going to report this as Pangborn. Keep a, you know, keep, keep a watch a on the goddamn eye chess pieces, the fucking chess pieces. <laughs> Uh, he says to Henry that he had heard gunfire in 91 when he went up to the door. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And that Ruth begged him not to leave and that, uh, you know, that, that, that just don't leave and that he would, you know, he would be there for her and that, she, you know, that he could save her. And um, but we didn't find out about what the gunshots were about. No. no. Yeah, that that no. was creepy. And I'm yeah, it's very a very excited. weird, ominous uh, anecdote that's there. And. Um, as the, as this as this show tends to be, just remember all the details because those are Good. those are some great you know you just got to know these things. So I just want you to just be like, well, don't get too attached to Henry. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, right. I'll no, just say happen. happened to episode six. He gets his head blown off. <laughs> uh, so uh, time to talk about the big boy. I think we're, we we could talk about the big boy. I will say that I I don't think that they would be calling him the kid. I think maybe they, when the scripts were written, they had envisioned a much younger person playing mm. it. And I get that Bill Skarsgård looks young, but he's like seven feet tall. He is so tall. And it's well, terrifying. that's and that's in cemetery for me. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. But I, it's I like, like the juxtaposition, though. Like, yeah, this this hulking yeah, but man like, child. I would call him a man. I think he's a man. I, you know what? I'm I'm so old now. I probably look, hey, look at this kid. Yeah, this kid I don't does know. pretty good job. It's Pennywise. You know, I've said that before. <laughs> 
But anyways, I will just say that that was one thing that was uh, stuck in my craw a little bit. But so, but he's, I, I'm loving the work he's doing though. I think mm-hmm. that he is, ab- I think he is, gen- and you're totally right when you say that he's scarier here than he was. Oh, in absolutely. Yeah. Oh, 100, 100%. I, I think this is some of the scariest stuff involving King or not involving King, however you want to look at it. That post millennium, honestly, like there's some genuinely frightening stuff in here that gets to a level of dread that is just I mentioned in previous episodes. It's just very like hard to articulate and also just haunting. It sticks with you. Well, he doesn't betray anything either. You don't Mm -hmm. you still don't know. Yes. Well, you're getting maybe more of a feel, but. You don't know if he's evil or good, especially in his no. first few episodes. Well, I mean, like, his, the look on his face when he reacts to anything, yeah. even when he's alone, which nine times out of ten in other horror movies, you'd have a little smirk mirrored, you know? But in this, no, nothing. He's well, just that's deadpan. The, that's the thing where you wonder, is this like a Charlie from Firestarter situation? Like, is he sort of an innocent vessel that is radiating evil and infecting people in that way. I mean, not that Charlie rated evil, but she couldn't control her fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's we maybe a flawed metaphor. I mean, he, that, that, that scene, which will definitely be in the cemetery when he just, the, wherever he walks, things start sa- like going sour. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the whole birthday party sequence. That the, was really disturbing. To very me. disturbing. I like, did not like that. I didn't I, know what was happening at first either, which was great. And well, then you start listening a little bit more because you're focusing yeah. on him and you think that he's going to enter the situation. We make fun of ADR a lot, but that was some great ADR. Well, that's that was that's definitely going to be in a shining moment for, yeah, we'll for, talk about for me because that's just the the sound design in this has been yeah. insane. But um, there, you know, one of our constant listeners actually hit us up on Facebook, and it it's funny because like this is something that I, I had was thinking about adding for last week, and I just it totally slipped my mind. And I have the notes here was that we kept thinking like, what is this kid the 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 powers that he has? What is it similar to yeah. like any of the previous characters? And I totally forgot on my notes like coffee from from the green mile oh, oh yeah and it's very similar and and i totally what i didn't remember was that um i, I just had thought that he was able to take the um the cancer away or mm-hmm. whatever he does because he does that with um and spoiler alert in the green mile yeah he, he yeah. goes to i believe the warden's wife or yeah Gary it's the warden's wife, wife. Or it was david morse's wife oh, yeah. david morse's wife and um but i can't remember if he gives it to someone else though in that well the well Oh wait, it's either not way, but, his wife. Sorry, I fucked up. Don't no, but yell I think me. it is Gary Sinise's wife. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but no, no, no. It's not Gary. It's James. <laughs> it's Cro- not James Cromwell's wife. <laughs> <we're> gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's sorry. a it's a character in the Green. We'll talk about that anyway. In anyway, but but the the powers that they have are very similar. They and are, and it's kind of odd. But this one just seems to be as like. I keep trying to say magnet, but it's not. It's like well, think about the think about the promise that he makes Pangborn at the end. He says, "I can help her." Mm-hmm. You well, know, I didn't even think about it that way. It's something I noticed on my on my rewatch of the episode. What happens in the very first episode of the show? Lacey seemingly shortly after the last time he sees the kid, he kills himself. Mm-hmm. What happens in this episode in the flashback? He touches, he touches his face. Yeah. So I'm beginning to wonder once again if these are all. Connected because again, there was that fist bump, the fist bump, yep. yep. And he, I, it's, I don't know, yeah, and that's great. I don't know, but Henry's touched him, hasn't he? I don't think no. so, no, okay. Because I've been, I started to watch for it, and I was like, I feel like he had to have touched him at some point. I'm wondering if he has some like aversion to think it. Think about it because we see them together right outside the prison, he doesn't touch him there. We see him on the prison phone with him, we see him, and the, the gates are separating them, mm-hmm. they have not touched yet, yeah. no. And I feel like maybe when they do touch, that might just trigger off something to do with this the, the weird tinnitus thing that's going mm-hmm. on with his hearing or his hearing the, the, the crazy ring, or he'll know what happened to him back in 91. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess, uh, 
so yeah, the question is, is this character, I guess it's hard to say because like he says, I should still be in the box. I know he knows that he's self-aware. He knows. Yeah. He's self-aware about this. And I get a little worried because I don't want him to be like good, but at the same time, I don't want him to be pure evil because we have too much show left. Mm -hmm. And also I want it to spin. I, I don't want that twilight zone reference that we caught. Well, that, you know, Mac predicted and then it was in the third episode to or wait was it the third or the fourth I it was in remember. the fourth the fourth episode where we actually saw the, the box the box episode the howling man yeah, yeah and i i hope that it's not just a recreation of that story you know what i mean i, I want I, it to go a little bit further i think there's some sort of nuance going on here i, I think want the, the kid to be more complicated not yeah. just the devil you know but i like the idea that he knows that he shouldn't be around and like yeah. that scene with like the the roof is great uh, i mean it's just it really adds some sort of makes him ominous but it also makes him add some sort of pathos there like maybe he doesn't even understand what he is you know and yeah maybe that's and that's kind of cool i mean i, I like that my and number one note seeing what jackie dressed him up in hmm. is he looked like Stephen malcolmus from his first solo album <laughs> <laughs> it's like this weird it's kind of surfery but not surfer in 2001 look yeah well, yeah cool look was, bro that was interesting um any well, other thoughts on the kid he's hanging out at the diva reference uh yeah that's residence. where we leave him yeah. he's he's at the divas and he has sort of that weird showdown and at first i was just kind of like they can't kill pangborn yet you know mm, like no. when they first met in the woods so i was kind of taken aback when he said he offered to help when he yeah. said he's like going to help ruth i was very taken aback by that because we haven't seen that side of him yet and uh i guess i'm just very intrigued to see you know how that plays out and if it's if he is trying to do good or if there's something else going on here. Well, there's a couple other things I noticed um, on the rewatch again is when Molly goes back to the office and sees that he's gone. She sees that somebody has been whittling something. Yes. Yeah. And then you go to the, um, the makeup of the town, a little, the model town and you see whatever was that human that was created is on the bridge. And well, and do you remember who else was holding one of those? Henry was holding one of those when he was a kid. Oh, that's oh, I true. didn't remember that. See, this is the stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, wow. this is why it pays to rewatch the show too. When they found him, because yeah, I rewatched the first episode with Jen, um, and yeah, when they found him, he had that in his hand. Wow. So well, that's hey, really awesome. Who also made uh, Little Shapes? Kramer. <laughs> Kramer. <did. laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about no, the, no, the, no. The but, Fusilli Jelly. Um, also, wait. Let me just say though, but, I'm 90 percent sure it was Henry holding that, but. Like I'm, I, can't, I don't remember it exactly, but I'm ninety percent sure. Mm-hmm. I will just say that if I'm wrong, we'll we'll fess up to it. But it's uh, it is. I remember that that figure that was standing on the bridge was being held by a character. I'm ninety percent sure it was Henry when he was after he came back from being in whatever place well, he was in. Well, there's and I, a, and I have, I have, I have two more notes on the kid. Except yeah. before we move on, okay. I, I have, I have one thing have... tied to these figures. Oh, you go first then. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So in um, Shawshank. Who also like used to like sculpting things? Ah, Andy. Andy and the Slammer. Andy the Slammer. Maybe it's Andy. We're not <laughs> well, in 237 yet, Mike. Um, yeah, so he's diagnosed after he gets out of prison as having retrograde amnesia. Mm-hmm. So there's a diagnosis for him yeah. that Henry never gets. Also, the kid says he remembers when he starts playing the piano. Yeah. Yes. So what's that all about? It's just very odd because then Henry looks at him... As if, like, he's doing something that he should be able to do. Yeah. And it also shows, like, again, if he's telling the truth, that he remembers a past of learning how to play the piano. with the devil or with evil learn how to play the piano? So it's complicated in a good way. I well, know. there's a lot of linking of, like, souls and minds here. Because you've got Molly that can kind of feel what, you know, Henry's feeling. 
And then you have the kid that seems to be this omniscient, like, yeah. narrator of sorts. Well, he almost. said that, well, I think Molly described it, that he was feeling everybody's pain in the mm-hmm. town. And then, um, and we'll talk more about that later. But so, yeah, I think that he sort of absorbs energy and emotion in a certain way. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, this may, no, this is a theory. I'm going to save it for room 237, okay. but I've okay. got something, so. Well, we got one more relative of the Torrances. Minor, but some big revelations from some our good friend really big Jackie Torrance. But is there anything here that we shouldn't just hold off on until like we get to King's Dominion? No, but I think we should say that sh- we find out that she's far more rebellious than we even thought. Yeah, you know, before. I mean, she just is such a alternative, you know, character in a way. You know, just is such a an outsider, a loner. I really like her character. I, I think she, I think she's supposed to be like us, basically. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I like the character, but I will say that it was hard for me to connect the dots between her finding him naked in mm-hmm. that apartment and them hanging out, yeah. smoking weed in the car. Hey, you know what? There's some things we didn't see. You know, what yeah. I mean? I, but I'm just saying, it's like, did he not say anything? For no, that Randall, you didn't hear time? me. You know what I'm saying? No, I get it. Stop it. No, Do you think like, it, kissy kissy? Stop being oh, a pervert. Uh, well, I do, do you, I will just add that in my notes, I've been I've been spending half of this trying to figure out what this note meant, and then I realized it. And we started talking. I, I wrote Bill Pert Bottom. Oh yeah. And now I know what I'm saying. Was we see his ass, and it's yeah. quite pert. It's I a, wonder if that was a body double. No, it's him. Gotta be his ass. It's probably him. Scars, scars reach out to us. The scars guards love getting nude, That's especially true. Skellen. A um, couple of notes Skellen, I have on that Skellen. scene. Um, you know, Jane Levy's performance is reminding me of. Uh, no, this might be weird. Dylan Baker. What? I, in the rewatch, when, when she's talking in the car, so the way she kind of scrunches up her face when she's disappointingly oh. <laughs> talking about Castle Rock, it reminds me of a Dylan Baker performance. Why isn't like Dylan the Americans Baker on this show? Exactly. I love him. Yes, from the Americans. Just watch it again. I think there's something in her eyes and the way her, she kind of scrunches up. I wonder if they're related. Here's a, side, a quick t- side tangent. Dylan Baker, best supporting character on the Americans, or like guest uh, character on the Americans. That's hard to say. There's That's so tough. many good ones, but that, I, I, I love every any and everything that that man does. He is one of my favorite character actors. Terrific and trick or treat. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, also, uh, wasn't that TV on the radio's Wolf Like Me playing? Yes, it is. Great song. Great song. So yeah, I don't. I mean, we learn a. She drops a lot of. Well, she's very nostalgic, and she's a, she's like a super fan. Which is why most of her shit's going to be in King's Dominion. I guess I just, yeah, I'll just say that I think it's kind of, I thought the explanation for why she's called Jackie Torrance is pretty stupid. Yeah, we'll talk about Maybe I'll put that in my misery. We'll talk more about it there. All right, well, I think, oh yeah, we have Molly Strand. What what, what happened to Molly this time? Not a ton. She she kind of ties into the other stories this time. She was kind of just tying, like, you know, to connecting threads to characters, so. I mean, she's she's a helping hand. She does, I think, finally prove to Henry that she does have Mm -hmm. what I'll call the shiny. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big moment. A lot of clicks in this episode. I love Foley work. (laughs) Oh, boy. What other Foley stuff can you do? That's all I got. So on that note, hey, watch, watch this. Uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> what Sounds a freak! Like, hey, somebody turn off the water faucet. <laughs> well, Bob Gray. We were just talking about shining moments. Well, we know we were talking about her shine, and now we're going to talk about shining moments. <laughs> I can remember when I was a little boy. My grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shiny. And for a long time, I thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. 
but there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> what a segue. I'm going to... We always start off so well. <laughs> we, we really did. No, now we're, we're, not, just, we're doing good. We no, are, we're doing, we're doing this great. Fun. This is fun. We're, doing, fun. We're, we're having a good time. My favorite part of this episode, with the exception of um, a lot of just the horror elements to it, I thought the sound design, as I mentioned before, was just amazing. I thought the score, which had this like really interesting sort of Stranger Things-esque, like uh, John Carpenter style thing in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. um, was really, really haunting and odd too. Like it came in odd places. Like, you know, when Henry's setting up all the the cameras around the house, there's just like this low, like, it was like this weird sense of like momentum that they're kind of building in the beginning that... I don't know. It, for people that say that this might be too slow, I just felt like that was like a good way. To I can just echo off of the score again. The score, the score for what my scene. Will, I'm really stumbling here, sorry, but my scene, my favorite shine moment is also going to be my cemetery moment. But I'll mm-hmm. just pull something out of that scene and say that the score, yeah, for when the kid is going across the street yeah. to the family house, it's almost this droney score. It's like Dark Knight almost. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Thomas Newman's doing a great job, and of course, I love the the hints here and there to the Shawshank score that pop up every now and again. Yeah. I'll say that I just want to call it performances this episode. Cause I thought there was a couple great, uh, it was sort of a good showcase for, I think Scott Glenn, definitely. definitely. And Bill Skarsgård. I thought they, they were kind of the two standouts here, especially Bill Skarsgård. I don't want to say too much because a lot of that's for the cemetery, but I think he's doing such a great job of being, I don't know, inherent, like, it's hard to describe he, it. Yeah, he's looking, he is acting believably like he is not of this world. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, he's not like doing some Howard the Duck shit where he's like looking at stuff being like, what is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like picking up pianos. Yeah. What if Howard the Duck was the kid? Oh, oh my. Well, that would be a fun. dream. Can, can, a we dream. St- can we still take it seriously? I, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, we've only, I've only seen Bill Skarsgård in two things. And one, he's playing the, the most broad horror character you can possibly play. And again, in this... Like I talked about, uh, Andre Holland as Henry Deaver, totally restrained and totally playing within himself, and it's great. Yeah, and then also Glenn, though it's it's really I feel like he brought a lot of different shades to Pangborn here. Pangborn, I was a little bit worried was kind of just becoming a bit stereotypically grizzled. Uh, he's drinking. He's you know he's digging up pets in the backyard. I don't know. He just seems sort of like a working. Like a working class, angry old man. But I, I will say though, even if that had been the case, it sounds like your your typical old Stephen King character. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, you know, but I want a little. I wanted more depth, I guess. I wanted to see the weight of Years. his history in Castle Rock because we know his history. Yeah. And I love today. I loved in this episode him mentioning his dead wife. Yeah, like just saying, I can barely remember her face, but I remember you. But that's right. what I love about the show is that they just let these details out there in the air. Yeah, and if you get them, you get them. And if you don't, they still add a lot. Yeah, to the they character. still add something. Like you're yeah. seeing, you're seeing a, like the weight of his past there, and just mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier about the bridge, the speech there, I, and then also the tenderness with which he was telling Henry about how much he loves Ruth and everything. There's a lot of depth to the character that I feel like we weren't getting. I, I didn't see him as grizzled this episode. I saw him as having much more of a purpose and a past here and i thought he was he's been great in every episode but i'll just say that this was the episode where i really felt like i was getting the best sense of who he was Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i think even going back to before even meeting ruth i'm assuming you know you've got he's dealt with the whole needful thing situation the whole dark half situation and by the way this this is kind of a room this is kind of a king's dominion because this is from an earlier episode though so i'll mention it here 
there is mention of Leland Gaunt in the newspaper clipping. Ah. So Leland Gaunt does exist on this show. Oh, Just yeah. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, so well, I mean, in the earlier episodes... He definitely went through something in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, they mention, like, when he's flipping, um, or Henry is flipping through um, Lacey's, like, newspaper clippings. Yeah. You do see the store. Up. But then someone said that uh, when, he's, when Henry's scanning through the newspaper selections in the box episode, and that's where he finds out, you know, where he goes to the, house, the barber house... That you could there's a there's an article that says like where's Leland Gaunt? Yes, where like, Leland Gaunt. I, I watched That's that clip over and over again and I did not see it's that. It's either there or there's another uh, there's another sequence, another episode where there's newspaper clippings on the wall. Oh, it's okay. up there. It I did see there. that. That's it, so cool. It was like a concerned article. Oh, okay. which I kind of loved. Um, and that points I think more to the um book than mm. the movie because yeah. the movie. I could be wrong, but in I feel like in the book, not everybody. It doesn't end with everyone knowing that like Leland Gaunt was evil. You know what I mean? That you mean he like was, the town square uh, ending at the yeah. Because yeah. in the movie, it's the town square ending. Yeah, and everyone's there. I feel like it's Don't much. You different. See what he's done. Uh, if, I, am I wrong? You, you're a little wrong. Oh, see, I don't. I've been, it's been what seventeen years since I've read it. Yeah, so. I've never but, read it. So, well, then why is that article there? Why do I? Why are they asking where he is? Because he know, vanished. If they know what happened, we'll see. We shall we will, see. We'll find out. Uh, Maybe like, there's like one, the writer for like uh, Castle Rock call was like gone out of town when like needful things happen. Well, like, I, I per- <laughs> well, you know, there's so much to talk about. We have to wait to talk about for King's Dominion. So yeah, that's true. Things. Okay. Okay. So should we move on then? Sure. The cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person but it ain't that person because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all i'm really 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 spooked to be in the cemetery this time <laughs> why what there, do you see i just saw a lot of really creepy things i think we all have the same scene as the cemetery right if we're you being simple it's the scene when he goes across the street to the family absolutely yeah and talks to and somebody celebrating their birthday named gordy by the way yeah, yeah that I was fucking that, yeah. weird uh it's also should have been you <laughs> is that are we supposed to no because no, Gordy, Gordy just, doesn't that, live that in is Castle literally Rock. just a bit there's yeah. nothing to do with it okay well, they have playing that Animal Crackers song. There's like this weird sort of like, I feel like there are a lot of allusions to, I mean, not allusions, but a parallels you could make. Not even parallels either. But spiritually, there's a lot of like ties to the Twin Peaks here. And like the whole like sort of like old school, small town aesthetic with like that, that sort of like, a lot of horror movies do this, I guess. So it's not just Twin Peaks, but the idea of taking like old style or old timey things and juxtaposing it with like creepy moments. Uh-huh. You know, like having like animal crackers sure. playing and yeah. then all of a sudden the fucking record goes nuts and then you hear like the, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, ah, See, like, I, that, mm. I'm struggling with how I feel about this scene. It was creepy. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to decide if the way it made me feel was a, was good or not. Interesting. So you talk about this because yeah. I thought that was this is the best it, scene of the episode. It made me feel icky. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to it's like I I, I do think No I'm, cats died. I, <laughs> that would have if, if I heard like a cat screeching I'd be like Randall's not going to like this. Sure. Were you scared of heights cuz he gets on the roof at the end like, you know. I've got I've got thoughts on that too. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I will just say I didn't hate this scene. Mm-hmm. I, I think I hated the way it made me feel. It felt, 
it wasn't creepy in the way that I feel like this show has been creepy. It felt like a B, like a moment. And this here, make it, I want to make it very clear that I'm not saying it wasn't an effective moment. Mm -hmm. I think it, I, I do agree with you that it is effective and it really helped illustrate the character and what he is capable of. But there was just something really unnerving and icky about hearing the family like start screaming at each other. And it was like all of their worst. It was like the worst impulses of humanity started coming out. And it reminded me of um, Needful Things. I, yeah. I can see Needful Things. It reminded me of Horns by Joe Hill. Mm, yeah. Just the concept of because this character in Horns, he basically wakes up and he has horns and he people he is essentially like the devil and people start confessing all their worst sins and the thing i like horns to a degree but i think the thing that i found awful about it was it kind of just views humanity as um inherently kind of um i don't know filled with disgusting evil goop and there was a moment and i, I guess it's just like i guess it, it's it's a it's a thing that it starts to come out where there's just this inherent meanness in people and it's a really cynical view. And I guess the way that I was viewing this moment, it reminded me of horns in the sense that when this evil present shows up, like is the implication that it's bringing out like the way these people really feel. And if that is the, I'm not saying it is the implication, but that's was how I was reading it. And it just made me, it made me feel really icky and gross just hearing this person like scream at this child the way they were doing it. And like, it was so mean. Yeah. And here's the thing. Yeah. I know. And that's the point, right? Yeah, like point. that is the point. <laughs> it's, it's, and this evil character is I know. bringing out the worst in people. And that's, I'm not criticizing it per se. I just, it, it wasn't made, a very, uh, a very f like fun moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, like, like horror movies can be fun sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that is creepy. But it, this was just very like, Oh God, this is just genuinely awful. Like it, yeah, it made me feel the way, and this is, it's very different, but it kind of made me feel the way I feel when I watch Henry portrait of a serial killer. Same here. And where, same here with like seven or something like yes, that. Where, where yeah. it's, it's a really ugly kind of horror, a mm -hmm. really ugly reaction that makes me feel really gross. And I guess it was maybe just jarring for me because, um, I, I wasn't expecting that from this show because I feel like the horror has, you know, been more of a of a dread induced sort of like low key, subtle, creepy stuff, or you know, bursts of violence that uh, you know. And I guess that's the thing too is it's more of a, it was more of emotional violence mm -hmm. than um, and sort of there was. I guess that's like the best way I can phrase it than physical violence. Physical violence doesn't bug me usually. But well, I think <laughs> if we go ahead, Mike. Oh no, no, you go go go. For I it. was just, I think if we had seen it happening, yeah, that wouldn't have been as effective. But this goes back to. The ADR I was talking about earlier, like some we make fun of ADR from The Dark Knight mm -hmm. and yeah. like Rogue One and stuff like that. It is so well done here. I agree. And I agree. I, I actually, I know Randall, you're struggling with whether or not it's good or bad, but I, I, I believe that it is absolutely effective and it scares me. But I think it's a great scene. Yeah, like, I think it's great, and I think it's the way it's done. And what really bothers me now, looking back on it again after a rewatch, is that a whole day goes by. And I'm sure that family is still there, either dead. Or maybe when he left, things calmed down, but they could all just be dead in there and nobody in town knows. Yeah. Which is like a Stephen King, which is yeah. like, which reminds me of some stuff from Under the Dome where yes, life definitely. moves on, but there are dead people in houses. Well, that's kind of the theme I got from this episode because there's this one shot where you literally see the flames like all across the, the you know, the city with the, mm -hmm. with obviously the wildfires that are happening. You know, the fire, like, you know, the fire engine goes right by and Henry just keeps walking, talking on the cell phone. Yeah. And that's all for the viewer, you know, like it, something's coming. Yeah. But it's also just very like, 
you know, like, so the kid's going to leave this household and we fear that something, obviously something bad things are going to happen in this small town. But then he's also on top, like if you, you know, you're right about the ADR because if you listen to this entire episode, you almost get like a PSD, you know, like a PSD or what is it? PTSD. PTSD sort of feeling because it never stops. You hear dogs barking. You hear sirens. Yeah. You hear screaming. You hear like crashes. Scraps you hear of burnings, dialogue, You hear yeah. scraps of dialogue here and there. That scene where he's on like the top of the roof, that's not like him like radioing in like the dark night like that's all shit that everyone else is hearing too and everyone's just fucking ignoring it because they're just going on with their lives which seems to be something we discussed on the in the greetings for castle rock panel um mm-hmm. during our film festival is that that's why small towns are such a great mo- microcosm to talk about you know societal mm-hmm. yeah. themes and stuff which is like with this is like the ignorance is bliss type thing like you know just the idea of what Lacey talks about in episode two when he's like, you know, sin, the, the, the idea of sin with the, the town and like how the reason why the town's evil and, yeah. you know, how they've lived in this sort of like freedom of it for so long because they locked away the evil and they were ignorant of it. Yeah. But now there's this, you can't, you have to contend with like what's actually out there and people still aren't doing that yet. Right. You know, I mean, Henry's literally still trying to run away from the town instead of facing what actually was mm-hmm. happening. Like yeah. he's still talking about multiple times. I got to get out of here. Oh, I got to get out of here. Even though his mother is crumbling, like, and he's just trying to get her to a, you know, somewhere else. And, and there's, there's so many awful things that are happening that, you know, <laughs> it, it just seems like everyone's trying to just kind of push away the, the, you know, the, whatever happened in the past. And that's kind of maybe seems like that's the metaphor that the kid is supposed to represent is, is like, he's trying to surface all the evil that you have to contend with and that's a very i think that's a very king sort of theme especially castle rock i just make it does make me think of needful things it's a different spin on it yeah Mm -hmm. but i will just one last note about that scene i like when you were talking justin you mentioned this whole idea of like they may just be dead in that kitchen or whatever yeah that's very haunting to me and it's i think it's because we see that the really sweet birthday scene. Yeah. And then we, and I think it also to a part of it is because we don't see, we just hear it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do think the ADR is brilliant, especially because they don't overdo it. You have to sort of be listening like, cause there's music playing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to be listening to hear how the, the dialogue shifts. And it caught me off guard because I think that I was watching and I didn't realize at first until the voices started changing. Mm -hmm. And it was such a perversion, I think is the thing that really upset me was it was this vision of innocence that we were given and how quickly it was corrupted. It, it was corrupted, but corrupted in a very vicious way. Yeah. yeah. And that is effective. I guess like it's just it it was it, it made me it wasn't like I just to break it down. It wasn't scary in a fun way for me. And it, it's been a while I think since I've seen a movie where or, or a piece of art, honestly, that affected me in that way because I love to be scared. And so I don't know. It was a, it was a unique. It was more so my, you know, a unique emotional experience for me. So I think I do land on the side that it is good, and um, I give it a thumbs up. But I think how many so, noses? Uh, I give that moment um, <laughs> a three and a half bright red Pennywise. Wow, noses. Uh, I will say David Gordon Green better take some notes because that was like one of the best Michael Myers sequences uh, in the past twenty years. <laughs> Well, I think like he's of him done. approaching the, the, the kid, like walking around and stalking the whole oh, house and everything. Walking, yeah. Just even when he's standing there, like in the doorway. Yeah. 
And that was amazing. It was so creepy. Well, see, that's and I that, think that to me when I think of the cemetery, it's the silhouettes of the kid. Yes, it's and there was a moment in this in episode four that I didn't get a chance to talk about where there was this that shot of that stark shot of him standing in the doorway of mm-hmm. a cell and how tall he is. Yes, and I feel like they keep emphasizing how tall he is and the way it's he's being shot. But even in the end, when Pangborn approaches him, just the the way the light. Uh, is reflecting off the characters, the silhouettes they keep casting him in. He doesn't, he looks freakish and he looks um, grotesque and unnatural when he's, when he's, you know, uh, when we just see the silhouette of the character. And a lot of that's to do with his posture and the way he's carrying himself as the character. Because then, and that's what I kind of love is then when you see his face up close, he's, he's, I mean, forgive me, he's he's beautiful. Well, I love about this too. This is a testament to the directors because he's only 6'4". Interesting. He looks like he's six ten. They make him look much. He's only much a little. He's taller. like mate. He's around my height. Wow. So I am. Although most people uh, look at me like the same way, like like I'm a fucking freak. You are a fucking freak. Um, I will say this again. We can't get away from the scene, <laughs> Randall. I fear for you that if you did not enjoy that scene, I think things are gonna get a lot worse before this series is out. Well, no. I mean, I think so, now I'm prepped, be, I'm prepped for it. I'm uh, ready. We're talking about as long as they don't cats kill, being murdered. As long as they don't kill any kitties, I'll be okay. Leave <laughs> okay, the kitties alone. Okay, okay. It's a good kitty. So misery. Oh, do you want to move into the misery section? Let's, let's go into misery. Uh, Mike, any Mike? Are you ready to get miserable? I am. Lay Miz, let's go. <laughs> she died. She just slipped away. Slipped away. Slipped away. She didn't just slip away. You did it. 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 You murdered my misery. Annie. So, did anything in this episode make you miserable? I'll have to think about it. Let me uh, meditate on my misery for a second. Well, I'll just say I can jump in because I, I hinted at it earlier. Yeah, I like Jane Levy. I think she's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the possibilities of the character, even if she feels ill-defined right now. I think that she does sort of serve as sort of an audience avatar, uh, kind of a you know, she wants to be a writer. I think that there's always a writer in King's work. It's it's neat stuff. And she's, you know, dissatisfied in this small town. It's a very relatable character. And it's a character that feels very modern. Um, I think if she wasn't in the show, I could still see that. I could see this being 1980 something. You know what I mean? With the way people are for the most part. So I like that she sort of represents sort of the millennial perspective, if you want to say that. But um, I just thought that her conversation with with the kid was just a bit too uh, on the nose, a bit too, mm-hmm. hey, this is a show about Stephen King. You know, she's mentioning psychotic murders and killer dogs and that her uncle is Jack Torrance and he mur- killed a ski lodge. And so to rebel against her parents, she goes by Jackie when her name's Diane. Hey, Jack and Diane. So um, it's it's it, it was just a little bit too cute for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not what I want from this show. I'll say I think having not seen future episodes, I think we're going to get a lot more from her before this is out. I do think that. I hope but, that's true. But second, I'm, I'm struggling with this episode the same way you were struggling with that one scene. Okay. I think this is a good episode, but I still think there was some brake pumping and some wheel spinning here. Yeah, I agree I with can't that. quite put my finger on because I don't know what you would take out of this episode. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to explain. I think because of the big buildup of what you could consider the first act of the season just ended. So now we're kind of having to build up again yeah. with this episode. Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe even looking back, I'll have a different feeling, but for right now, it was just a little bit, I can, speak- not, I, I can't really say it was redundant because we learn a lot. It wasn't as impactful as, as those first four episodes for me. Well, those, with some great moments, obviously, but overall, it was 
was lacking a little bit. The thing I when you say pumping brakes, uh, I when he, Henry keeps asking Ruth what happened to him and she writes and she won't answer. That's that, that felt, type of material. That felt a little bit like lazy yeah. writing where yeah. I'm just kind of like, you know, you kind of. It's that whole question of like, well, if this character really wants this answer and he is with this person, he is going to ask. Yeah. Whereas, so I almost feel like the better move is to just keep them separate. And uh, so he can't ask that question. Be And I think that's the sort of thing is when you realize, well, he is going to ask that question because he's with them. We need a way for her to divert. I felt the way she diverted didn't really uh, work necessarily. I, I also think the kid getting released just like that at the beginning of the episode seemed a little rushed. I can see that. Yeah, that, I don't know. Mike, that's that. Those are my gripes, I guess. I think those are all. Uh, I think those are all valid gripes. I really do. I, I think that the the whole Jackie Jack Torrance thing is just lame. Uh, all you need to you know call her Mod Torrance or something like that, <laughs> yeah. or just something else, and you got the Torrance name. That's all you need. Yeah, and you could just basically say like. You know, when she's talking about her town and all, like, you know, she could talk about how, like, yeah, some interesting things have happened in my past or whatever, but yeah. they're not my past. They're my, you know, my family's past. And that's all you had to do is leave it at that. Like, people get it. Yeah. Um, that was an example of, like, the the on-the-nose, quote-unquote, Easter egg that, we're, that we don't get with the other Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I guess I just want them to do something more substantial with that character. And mm-hmm. hopefully that's coming. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Mike? Is that about for you for the misery That's section? For me. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of miserable here, which is a good thing. I mean, again, I still episode. thought it was a good episode, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I still thought it was good, but I just think it was, if I had, you know, if you had a Cujo to my head, I'd say this is the least of the five so far. Anyway. Your well, Cooj is leading the way to a little place I like to call King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. Welcome to King's Dominion. <laughs> I'm Cujo. Whoa, was that Cooch? <laughs> that was Cujo welcoming us. Oh my god. Hey, Cooch. I got a lot. We so got a lot. We can go here. around in the circle or what do you want to do? Just uh, knock them out one by well, one. Well, we get a connection to The Shining when Jack Jackie says sure. I'm just yeah, we just talked about that. So that was a big one. Was we found out that she's the niece of Jack Torrance, which um was probably the most blatant and least satisfying of these. But I think there was but, a lot of fun ones. But there's, she also talks about a gas leak that happens in yes. the house. Now, was that tied to any other stories of, of King? Because I could not think of any of them. Is there something in Needful Things that has to do with a gas leak? Not that I remember, but I did write that down. There, It's just escaping me. I haven't read Needful Things in 15 years. But I will say something very important, though, in her conversation with the kid as to what shining we're dealing with. Is that she says that um, an uncle who tried to kill his family with an axe? Yes, so we're that's not, true. Or, or maybe she's getting the urban legend mixed up. But apparently, this is tied to the movie and not necessarily the book. Well, sure. it's also, well, also it's says, all Warner Brothers. So. She also says ski ski resort. So I think she just might have the details a little bit wrong. Again, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's some urban legendy stuff that could yeah. be happening here too. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's obviously a big point. Um, I've got. Uh, I'm saving the the fun one for the last. But, uh, <laughs> well, there's a mention of Juniper Hill. Which yeah. is uh, definitely a location we visit. Isn't that where Henry Bowers goes in It? It sure is. It's, yes. it's in It. It's in Derry. So the mental asylum. Which I love. That means that Derry does exist in this universe. Oh, yeah. Which is great. Which means that Pennywise exists. Because um, Pennywise is on the screen every episode. He sure is. It's, it's definitely <laughs> yeah, but there's it's a, definitely. That's a connection. Bill Skarsgård from It is uh, in this show. <laughs> the, um, the parolee instruction video. Yes. The host like- is Lou Hadley. 
Hadley is the Clancy Brown character from Shawshank Redemption. Oh. I think it's his son or okay. his, or grandson. I, I wrote or down Hadley because I was wondering if that yeah. was something. Oh, that, that is there. such a good catch. I did not yeah. get that. It's Hadley, so it has to be a relation. That is really. I it's love also that. prison related too. So, um, what else you I've got? got something here. I've got very crucial. We talked about this earlier. Pangborn in his speech discusses his childhood dream of becoming a magician. Yes. Magic and being a magician plays a huge yeah. part in Needful Things, the book. Yes. Not the movie. That is a huge, huge thing. Uh, if you looked at Molly Strand's tagline for her uh, real yeah, estate. Yeah, Mac had pointed this out. Too. Yeah. Live like a king. Very good. Like Hey-o. Stephen King. Um, I feel like there was another Molly bit here. Well, we they talk about Bangor Strangler. Okay. Now, Justin, you said you had some uh, some thoughts on that one. Mike? You watched the Dead Zone TV series, right? I did. You know, the Strangler was not called the Castle Rock Strangler on the TV show. No, it was called the Bangor Strangler. Sure it was. Oh, wow. That so is... I, I wonder if that was just a little rib on the show or if that was just some side thing. That's a fun thing to think that about. That is cool. Maybe they were ribbing on the old TV series a little bit. Because the way she blatantly show. said, first of all, you made that up. Yeah. yeah. Made me think there's something maybe going on. Yeah, yeah that's fun. That's I like fun. that. Yeah. Fun little joke. But again, if you don't know anything about the TV series or anything, it's still just a, it's yeah, just a line of dialogue. Just an exchange. Cares. Uh, what else you got? Let's see. Do we talk about when the kid is on the parking lot, he hears a dog barking and somebody saying, want to see a dead body? Uh, no, but that's, yeah, that's when he's on the roof. Yeah. And I caught the, I, do you want to see a dead body as well? The dog's barking. And that car crashing, which made me think of like Needful Things or something like or that. Or Christine. Yeah. Well, there was other Whoa. scraps of dialogue that were in that that I was trying to listen closely to, but I could not. I even Googled one because there was... um. One of the lines that I caught, I could I could have been misinterpreting it was um, make a fist and uh, or like, you know, make a fist with your hand or something was something like that. So I Googled Stephen King and then that phrase. But all that was coming up was the he shakes his. Yeah, the fist against fist the post. Against the post which I, is, and that's it. So I don't think that was that. But um, yeah, there was other scraps of dialogue aside from do you want to see a dead body that um, I, I just I couldn't, couldn't figure I out. I couldn't either. pull them out. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely heard the the dog barking. I definitely heard. Yeah, so the, the cracked furnace, the Christmas Eve story that Jackie tells the kid. I'm yeah. throwing that out there for the constant listeners. If they yeah, know, you guys know don't what get that too is? spoilery, but just tell us the name of the story or book if you know what it is. Yeah, it might be a reference to a short story or yeah. something. Cool stuff. Is that it? I think that's it. That's all me. I got for the old Dominion. Same. Uh, well, then I hear. A rapping on a door, and that door says room 237. I think a lot of things happened right here in this particular hotel over the years. And not all of them was good. Who's there? It's me, room 237. Oh, <laughs> oh hi, it's me, Justin. <laughs> hey, what's going on, room 237? Now, Mike, because you've seen the, fr- the next three episodes, do you want to sit this out and just I don't even give us out. any yeah. smiles yeah, or any nods or anything like that? You obviously are. Because you know what's going to be happening. Well, there are some the things the that I've said in previous episodes that, that I know the, the answer to, well, so I can't anything. say anything, though. Yeah, so get out of here. Get out of Just turn around. I will say that. I'm not even going to say that much because I don't want anything spoiled. Well, I have one that I... I think there's something going on with this kid. I think something going on with this kid no i had a thought when alan kind of first started his flashback about remembering the kid i initially thought he was pulling over the kid like in the past Mm. and it wasn't dale i thought that maybe 
it made me think just for a split second before I realized it was Dale that we were going to see who the kid was in the past because mm-hmm. we saw him play the piano. And then I was thinking, well, devils don't learn to play the piano. So it made me feel like that he used to be a human, like he used to be a person, <laughs> a, like a human being, and that he at some point was uh, whatever happened to him, you know, he was infected with it or something. And I think that, you know, in the future we're going to find out what that was and what the significance is. I said this awful idea of there being a flashback episode with the kid. It's like, the year was 1956. Chicago, <laughs> the height of jazz. <laughs> it's like him playing the piano. And like, I worked, a, I tipped to the bar. They let me play late at night. Did anyone else, uh, when, the, uh, when they do the flashback sequence and it's the snow and it's in Castle Rock and he pulls him over with the car, did anyone else think of Nona from yeah, the, from that's shot, a good uh, from, that's uh, from Skeleton Crew? Totally, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I like, like that. maybe that was the the same time that it might have, it didn't, but you know, because I think that that was be before seventies or eighties, but eighty seven, um, whenever yeah. it happened. Yeah. So yeah, I think that for me, it's I I think that's kind of my big theory going forward is that we're going to find out that the kid you know was a person and had a life before all of this happened. I will say. I think those wildfires are coming. I think that the wildfires will play a big role and somehow either at the very end of the season or in, or in the episodes to come. I'm very curious to see what Henry Deaver's child offers to the plot. I hope he's not just there to be yeah, like a, somebody from his, you know, his life or and, to just be in peril, like yeah, show up and immediately be, be in peril. And, I yeah. hope it's a little bit more than that. And of that. course we know as that kid is the same actor who played Mike Hanlon in the new It movie. So once they, oh. they, they keep pulling in the uh, the, the King alums. Universe alums. That's right. That's interesting. I Where's Everett McGill? Everett oh, McGill. that would be great. Love Everett McGill. He was in License to Kill. <laughs> I will say I, I still am not confident about anything I've really said, which is a good thing. Yeah, I still I still know where this is going. There's some other shows you watch and you say, okay, I can actually map out the next five episodes of this TV show. Right. But this is not one of them. Right, so, I agree. It's a compliment. Yeah, and I, I, um, I guess my other thought is, not like kind of this whole John Coffee idea. I'm just really looking forward to seeing how the. I know I'm sure it's probably going to play take place, but this whole idea of the kid healing Ruth, um, as a favor to Alan Pangborn and, or whatever, that's something that I think is really on my mind. I think whatever happens out of that, if it's going to be a John Coffee type situation, or if it could be something a lot more uh nefarious or you know something really or maybe like a carnival type situation that whole idea that he can he can execute magic but by doing so he brings havoc to other things i think so i'm I'm intrigued by that sounds a little like hancock the will smith movie oh yeah like when he gets too close to the charlie's theron character crazy things happen right Ah, never seen it i don't watch shitty movies hey peter berg great director that movie's weeks off i I still got it i I still got my theory you know (laughs) i got my theory look when, when Stephen King was 26 years old, oh. he sold the, the film rights for $2,500. Here we go. I know where this is going. And, and, and there was a young director at the time, just, you know, hot off, maybe a little, had a penchant for Alfred Hitchcock, a guy named Brian De Palma. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> and, he, and he directed a film named Carrie. And at the end of Carrie, the titular character, her death is not shown. And, and it's teased that, in fact, that she is still alive. I'm telling you That's right a now. Dream. It's not a dream. It is real. Carrie is alive. There's really a for sale sign <laughs> grave. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie White personnel. And she is coming back and she's going to put the pieces together and she's going to realize that she's not only just Ruth Deaver, she's Carrie White. Boo. Sounds great. 
I feel, fired. Like she's, I feel like at the very end, though, right before she, you know, has her revenge on Castle Rock for some reason because Chamberlain Maine is gone or whatever. Yeah. I think uh, a little character named Charlie from Firestar is going to show up and save Oh, I hope so. <laughs> what other characters do you hope to see in this uh, series? I hope to see Leland Gaunt. Yeah. I have a question. I have a serious question, Mike. I hope, this, I hope this doesn't happen in the next three episodes, but if at one point somebody's cat jumps on their lap and they go, get out of here, church. Will you turn off the show immediately or will you keep watching the show? I still think that's a deep enough reference, though. That's, I think, God, that, I think that if I didn't turn off ugh. the show when Jackie said, yeah. I named myself Jackie Torrance out of Rebellion because my uncle was Jack Torrance, whatever, then I'm not going to turn it off for a church reference. What if Christine comes <laughs> strolling in and says, oh, have you met my car, Christine? Um. If it's Arnie driving it, Ooh. then I would turn it off. Yes. <laughs> if it's Keith Gordon, but he's it's Keith Gordon now. If it's Keith, oh my Go- if it's Keith Gordon from Back to School <laughs> with that weird New York accent he tries to have. Um, I hope Eddie Dean from the Dark Tower book shows up. That'd be cool. Just like, hey, For no it's reason. me, Eddie Dean. Pass hey, through. you Jackie, you, you got any heroin? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's enough. On that note, <laughs> we, uh, still have, we still haven't even gotten to the drawing of the three. So, constant listeners, if you don't know who Eddie Dean is, character. stay on. tuned. Uh, let's move on to our final thoughts. The ice is going to break. I like this episode. I think that I think that in a vacuum, it may have been one of the slower episodes of the season. Mm. Um I liked it, but it did feel a little bit like wheel spinning at times. Like I kind of agree with what Justin said, but it was still great. And I think that by now the train is really rolling for me. Like I'm really invested in the story and it's Mm -hmm. moving. So in that sense, it didn't feel that way. Like I said, like I said, it felt a little bit weaker in a vacuum. I think I'm, I'm so invested in the story now and I'm really rolling with it that, you know, you can forgive it of some things. So I, I enjoyed it, but, um, but I think some great character work, some good acting, some, uh, spooky moments. And, uh, I think a lot of hints of what's to come. Mm. So I'm going to give it three and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. I'm uh, right there with you with the three and a half. And it's for all the reasons we talked about for the first hour, which were all very positive thoughts. I thought yes. um, again with the wheel spinning, they could have sped some things up. They could have changed the kid getting out that easily after all that buildup. I felt it was a little sloppily done. I loved ultimately the kid. I love the Bill Skarsgård performance. Scott Glenn still killing it on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think looking back, I could still probably look back on the scene of the kid crossing the street and going to that house as one of the better moments of the whole season. But I don't think I'll look back and say that this episode was one of the best episodes. I, too, give it three and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. Mad Mike. I'm going to go three and a half also. Mm. I think that uh, you're both right. I think there are some tonal inconsistencies with uh, where their narrative is going. But I, again, it's also because they just have to build up so much after that crazy ass uh, ending yeah. in the box. Yeah. Uh, having said that, uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to add two and a half. You see a worse and worse. I got three and a half, uh, you know, bright wed Pennywise clown noses, uh-huh. but I'm going to add a nice little, um, 
you know, hmm, what should I call it? I'm going to add a, a, a nice little birthday cake to it. <laughs> oh, spooky. Because that scene was uh, was was exceptional. Nice. So uh, I give it You should add a little animal crackers. And some animal crackers yeah. with it. Uh, some Barnum Bailey ones because, you know, <laughs> like uh, we're keeping it in the circus because mm. Pennywise was in this episode. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I think the fear factor, um, no Joe Rogan, was very... <laughs> was very high mm. in this episode uh i thought the um you know yeah narratively it's just like i, I just wanted the kid to get some sleep and oh boy didn't, didn't really need to hang out with Jesse. oh wait there was one king's dominion we forgot oh what was that shawshank prison was oh in this episode. that is true um, and that? it's in recovery <laughs> according think- to a newspaper clipping <laughs> i think we've got uh I think that that wraps things up for today. Uh, Cool episode. We're really stoked for next week. Tune in next Tuesday night at midnight. Is that correct? Or Wednesday morning at 1201. And uh, it's uh, titled your favorite uh, 90s alt rock band. Go. What is it? Dishwalla? Nope. Keep going. Um, Tonic? We were just talking about it. Radiohead. We were just talking about it in our text thread. Oh, um, Filter. Yes. No shit. Yes. So that was my ironic favorite. (laughs) Yeah. That was my ironic favorite. Hey, Hey, man, nice shot. That's what I said to the cinematographer of this episode. And that's what I said to uh, Zaleski um, oh. <laughs> every time when he was walking What if that by. song played while he was shooting a video? <laughs> that would have been pretty cool, actually. <laughs> I know. That's the thing is that song is always good whenever I, it's used to I know. I, I, I wish they were playing My favorite like, remains Demon Knight. The vest played at the very beginning once, yeah. he goes, yeah, once he gets introduced. Hey, man. Hey, trivia, actually. Don't bring it up. Are you going to talk about the origin of the song? No, 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 okay, not the origin of the song. Uh, we don't need to go there. It's but a dark note. <laughs> do you know uh, the lead singer of Filter, who his brother is? Robert Patrick is yeah. his brother. Very cool. Faculty. I want to party with those guys. Anyway. Um, Anyways, uh, like us on Facebook, iTunes, not iTunes, uh, Instagram, Twitter, if you haven't already. We're always posting cool updates. And give us a rating on iTunes. We still need them. So if you haven't done it, now's the time. And also um, on Stitcher or whatever your favorite pod is. Wherever you're listening to us. Wherever you're listening to us. Leave a comment even. Just drop us a line and let us know what King's Dominions we might have missed and... Because uh, that's been some of the coolest posts that we've gotten lately, or totally. you guys kind of discovering cool things, and it's fun for us to find that. So, because, hey, King King Kids are a King community, and it's about helping each other. So, until next time, long, long days, days and pleasant nights. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want some. Consequence Podcast Network.